Hi, this is Dion Baig from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Are you someone who has no idea that they can be heard? Has brilliant ideas and wants to get them out there? Has a podcast but can't keep up with the work or just wants to focus on things that matter? Then Podcast Engineers is your gateway to get your voice heard. They don't just edit your podcast. They enhance your listeners' experience. You simply do what you do best. That is to record and they do the rest. You can find them at podcastengineers.com. Rob and I have been using Podcast Engineers to help make our show sound great. Send them an email to get an episode edited free and a discounted plan. Are you stressed about insurance? Get a custom insurance policy at a good price that lets you rest easy knowing your business is covered in case of a loss. With over six years of experience specializing in insuring small to medium-sized businesses in Ontario, your focus should be growing your business and ours is to protect it. Contact on at theinsurers.ca. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 60. and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake and here with me is the Sandy McKay on Twitter. We don't mention that very much. <laughs> that is me, the Sandy McKay, yeah. The Sandy McKay. If anyone's looking for him, that's how you find him. And mine is Rob Breakthrough, but I really don't ever do anything but retweet your tweets so or other people's i guess too but we're both on there so yeah feel free to look us up i guess the first thing that we should mention is our free gift on our website over at breakthrough reipodcast.ca and that is the seven freedom activators that you can trigger in your property starting right now everyone knows what this is by now it is just a report that'll help you free up some of your time and help you manage your properties better and take advantage of the little tips and tricks as far as cash flow and management and all kinds of stuff goes. So there's a ton of value in there and that's free over on our website. It is breakthroughreipodcast.ca. Absolutely. Yeah. And always, as always, really recommend, strongly recommend everyone goes to iTunes, leaves us a review, give us a five-star rating. Always enjoy. Hearing those and seeing your questions on there as well, you can also go on our website, breakthroughreipodcast.ca, and leave a comment below this episode with any questions you have for us, for our guests who we got coming up. And yeah, we really just want to hear from you. Let us know what you want to hear about. We'll gladly mention you on the show. And you know what else is in there, Sandy, is links to uh, share the episodes from there on whatever, I think Facebook and Twitter and all those things. So you can share right there on the bottom of the website. 
So that's something yep. else that everyone should do as well. If you're there browsing around, you just see that little Facebook link and share it with your friends. Let them know about the show too. The last thing that I want to mention before we get talking to our guest, Svei Pavic, who is here sort of patiently waiting in the background there, is to go and rate and review us on iTunes. And as always, we do have a new review. One more review since last time, which surprising to say, we sort of squeezed that last episode out at the last minute. We had some scheduling difficulties and whatnot, but we got it out a couple days late. But regardless, that was only a few days ago. So we do have one more review since the last show. So that's good. I'm going to read it now. It was from Jason C. Montreal. And it's five stars. And he says, awesome podcast. Thanks for taking some of your precious time to share with us any knowledge you have as far as well as finding a variety of subjects to complement each other about real estate. The guests that you have on the show all bring something enlightening to us listeners, and we greatly appreciate your hard work. I only started listening last week, but I've gone through almost every single episode already. So thank you. I know you guys are working in the GTA, which is great. But being in a very different market here in Montreal, maybe it would be great to have a guest on from the uh, Montreal region as well to bring a whole new perspective. Either way, keep up the hard work and looking forward to hearing the next episode. And yeah, you know what? When I first start listening to a podcast and I catch on to one of them, I'll burn through like a good chunk of episodes really quickly. But I'm glad to say that now if you're listening to this, we've got 60 episodes there for you to catch up on. So that's probably just about 60 hours of listening. So you're welcome. <laughs> we'll keep putting them out. As always, are sort of debating adding another one each month. But again, it's just one of those things where it's just we got to free up our time and free up some guest time and get people uh, on the show. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see that soon. What do you think? We were just talking about it, right? Hey, or yesterday? I think uh, absolutely, we'd love to get more of this content out there, and uh, and yeah, just just need to uh, just need to make the time for it. Hopefully, we can start doing that soon for sure. Okay, so well, actually, did you have something you wanted to talk about a little bit, Sandy? I want to commit to that, if you notice, by the way. But I think hopefully we can. No, we're not gonna. We're not. We don't commit to anything. Maybe <laughs> that's why it doesn't happen. Maybe we should commit to it. I think that's absolutely a good reason why it doesn't happen. That sort of ties into what you wanted to talk about, doesn't it? A little bit. Oh, good. Yeah. Good segue. Yes. A little bit. <laughs> Thank you. A little bit. I think I, I just want to mention one quick thing. We we're talking about this with our uh, our team here today, just about, and this really is relevant to a lot of things in life, but definitely relevant to real estate and real estate investing as well. Just the fact that you know people think, what does it take to be successful? And there's so many different answers to that. But I think one really quite easy answer is obviously our, our mindsets and the way we think about things. More specifically, one specific thing about that comes down to just how you view obstacles and challenges in your way in life. We deal with a lot with clients as realtors. We do with clients just getting all excited about something for investing in a property, for example. And all of a sudden something comes up that they don't understand. They don't know the answer to it. And there's two ways people can go with that. You don't know the answer. You, you know, show up in the corner and just give up or you go, okay, now as my job to, in order to be successful now is to find the solution to this problem or find the answer to that question. And, you know, that's a really small example. There's obviously way bigger examples of that. You can have obstacles in life all the time where people just 
they don't know the answer and they want to they have a big dream or something and there's whatever is in the way of that dream that that they're thinking in their mind that they need to overcome and the successful person is always going to look at that and go okay now it's my job to go figure out how to do that in order to be successful i need to go figure that answer to that and go do it and they go do it whereas the other person again just doesn't know it doesn't want to know it they give up really easily and they say that's not for me i can't figure it out i don't i'm not going to do it yeah, what do you, what do you, uh, sorry, go ahead, Sandy. Sorry, I just, I'll, I'll finish up with that. It's just, just really simple mindset shift that a lot of people, and I think that a lot of, in a lot of cases, it's just, just fear creeping into the mind of people. And you just need to be persistent and fight through that and solve problems, really, is, is what it's all about. Finding solutions to problems, being resourceful, and figuring out a way to get things done rather than just giving up on the first sense of challenge. Yeah, you're right. You know, and one of the sayings that comes to mind, and I've heard it everywhere since I started investing in real estate, and that is the real estate investing is simple, but it's not easy. Mm. You know, it's one of those things where it's going to take hard work. It may be pretty straightforward, like the idea of it, buy a property, rent it out, make some money. But there's all kinds of things that come up. And I've dealt with that same thing, too. I've had people let go of really significant deposits Mm. because they got scared. And no amount of reasoning with them is is going to, I don't think, well, it didn't in this case, no amount of reasoning sort of will take away that fear once it takes over them. So, I mean, it's a bunch of different things, hard work, overcoming fear, and just being willing to, I guess, have some faith that you'll be able to find the answers when the problems arise. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, Sve. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm totally on the same page as uh, Sandy and yourself. And I was actually just recording a video today about the mindset that the difference between, and this is a famous quote from the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, and it's the difference between poor people and rich people. And poor people's mindset, people say, I can't afford this, right? Also saying, I can't figure this out. I can't do this, right? Whereas a rich person says, how can I afford this? How can I figure this out? And I think the most important skill and really trait for an entrepreneur, for a real estate investor, for anyone that wants to be successful is creativity and figuring out solutions to those problems. And I guarantee you that no amount of hard work or persistence without the creativity would do that because when you're constantly trying to solve problems and come up with solutions, you're going to learn something new every time. And then you can implement that lesson learned from the previous point and you grow and gain more knowledge. So, yeah, I just want to add to that. I totally think that asking how you can solve the problem and the fact of creativity is really the most one of the most important skills for a real estate investor and entrepreneur. I mean, I think that's a good point. And most rational people, the ones that maybe weren't cut out to be real estate investors, I think, in the first place, or I shouldn't say most rational people, but the people that think the way that everyone else does in the world, I guess, they don't really lend themselves very well to that idea that, I mean, I started with almost nothing. Like I really had nothing given to me. I don't have any money. I never had any wealth in my family or my wife's family coming up. And so to go and say I was going to start getting into real estate and buying real estate it just seemed absurd to almost everyone I talked to when I first got into it, but it's a matter of, like you said, that's exactly what you have to do. Go into it and say, how can I do this? Not, oh, I can't do it. 
So I think this is a really good lesson. And I mean, we talk about mindset quite a bit on this show and stuff, but every once in a while, we just got to really get into it and point out these things that seem so obvious to some people and at some points, but then at other points, depending on what you're going through and what you're up against, it's harder to think that way. But I know that no matter what the obstacle is, you can find a way to get through it if you think hard enough. And if you have the right people around you, and it all comes down to the whole network and joining REI groups, people around you that have been through those problems before are probably one of the most priceless assets that you can get, really, starting out in this. Yeah, it makes the creativity and and resourcefulness quite a bit easier, right? When you can quickly make a phone call rather than spend uh, days or weeks looking for the answers. And learn from other people's mistakes. They say that your network is your net worth, right? And I totally believe that. It's a good saying too. Okay, well, I mean, we don't want to – I'm sure we're going to talk more about mindset and whatnot today with you, Sve. So thanks for sharing that little bit there before we get into the interview. But welcome back. This is your second time on the show. You just had a – you were part of almost a panel discussion, but we had everyone on at different points back on episode 49. So thanks for coming back on again. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm motivated. I'm jacked up. I'm just so excited to share this information. I love talking about real estate investing, about entrepreneurship. So thank you for having me back on the show, guys. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this or Rob, I don't, you might know this, but number one most downloaded show was that one, number 49. That's so right. Fun. It was. That show has over uh-huh. over 10,000 downloads right now and going strong. Yeah. So that's yeah. awesome. Okay, well then, well then, our goal right now is to pass that ten thousand download mark on this episode. Let's That's do right. it. All right. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, Sve is a now officially full-time entrepreneur and investor who is passionate about creating passive cash flow for life and living the freedom lifestyle. And Sve invests in multiple forms of businesses such as real estate, e-commerce, affiliate marketing, digital products, and more. And Sve shares his knowledge and lessons learned. On his blog and podcast, which you can find at journey to financialfreedom.com. That's journey, the number two financialfreedom.com. And he also helps others to achieve financial freedom through entrepreneurship so they can quit their nine to five job, uh, be passionate about their work and live the freedom life. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. So big news for me is I just quit my six figure job, which was a tough decision, but a necessary decision. Because I'm at this point in my stage where, and really it's a lot of it has come down to the rental income from real estate has allowed me to pay for pretty much all of my uh, living expenses, my housing expenses, my transportation expenses. And now I can focus on really the things that I'm passionate about, helping other people and really sharing my information and all the lessons learned that I have. And so that's really my next stage now is doing that full time and creating systems. And that's what it's about. It's creating systems to automate your businesses so that you can live the freedom lifestyle and the laptop lifestyle. You can live wherever you want and do what you want. And that's really my goal to financial freedom. That's awesome. Can you back us up a little bit and just maybe start from the beginning about how you got started with real estate investing? Yeah, sure. So I mentioned a little bit in the the previous episode, but I'm going to kind of walk through it again, talk through it, because I think people, especially just starting out, they want to know 
how did you get started and how do you get there, right? And so all of the success stories that we hear on podcasts, on books and everything like that, they're usually talking when they're already successful. But the biggest challenge is when you just first start getting and starting out. So I was back in uh, college, in university. I was going to university and I was looking at my peers and I noticed that, you know, they were graduating they couldn't really get jobs. It was tough to get a good paying job. Some of them had multiple master's degrees and, you know, swimming in loads of debt, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that, you know, the traditional model of going to school, get a good job, retire at 30, I'm pretty sure that model is done now. I don't know when um, that model ever existed. It wasn't, it, wasn't <laughs> it work till you're 65 and then retire? Yeah. Or, <laughs> well, I guess if you put in a solid 30 years, in the government, you could have a nice pension in the end. But yeah, I agree with you. You know, a lot of times it's just working until you're, you know, very old and then having this concept of retirement, which I think is a flawed concept because I don't think that because what happens is when you get to that stage and you get to retirement, then you have you don't know what you're going to do with your life. Right. And then, you know, you're just kind of like sitting there and, you know, trying to enjoy your life. But really the concept that I like to do is I like to think about getting excited about what you do at any age, right? Whether you're 20 or 90, if you're always excited about what you do, if you're always excited about life, then you don't really need to retire per se, right? You can just continue to enjoy what you do. And as long as you're you know, able to make a decent amount living, you'll get to enjoy that. And so that was one of my huge kind of realizations and why I quit my job is I, I really think that people need to be passionate about what they do in their life and they need to have a greater purpose rather than just, you know, making money for money's sake. And then in essence, you never really have to retire if you don't want to per se. And it sounds like you actually had that job that people dream of, really, the one that did make it possible for you to retire in that 30 years after working. Oh, yeah. And if I wanted to continue, I could have. What's crazy is with this. So I was an IT project manager and it's a very lucrative industry. I was a consultant and I could have actually even if I continued, I could have potentially even doubled my income if, you know, if I put in some more time and stuff. However, it's a very a stressful job, long hours. You're constantly the scapegoat if a project fails, et cetera, et cetera. So while it's very, you know, you can earn a lot of money at the same time, what ended up happening with me, and I can talk a little bit more about that is, my true passion is entrepreneurship, creating my own business, creative passive income. And I was doing that on the side as much as I could. But as a result, my personal life suffered. My relationship suffered. You know, I was getting burnt out and all of this kind of stuff. But so I am happy that I worked at that job and took advantage of the income, reinvested a lot of that income back into real estate, back into other businesses. And now within a short few years, I was pretty much you know, able to fully transition to that. But I did put in a lot of work, a lot of sweat equity, a lot of sleepless nights, and I still do, but it's because I'm passionate about what I do now. So just to continue on the thought back in college, so I saw these people graduating, couldn't get a job, and I realized like, okay, in order to do what I really wanted to do, to be passionate about what I do, I need to achieve financial freedom. And it has to be through passive income. Otherwise, you're just trading your time for dollars. And so I started researching different ways to create passive income. And there's so many ways. But what I ended up going to always back is real estate. And I read so many books, starting with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then started attending conferences and seminars and everything like that. 
And even though I invest in other types of businesses, I still think real estate is the most powerful, is the best investment for passive income, for creating generational wealth. And it's really been the foundation that I've built my passive income on. Yeah, yeah. And you did use your current situation to propel you forward to your goals. And that was something else that we probably should have mentioned at the beginning, because I think that people with goals like yours to quit their job, I mean, a lot of people have that goal. It's a great goal. Yeah. But you you have to use your current situation to your advantage. You can't be thinking, oh, I'll do that once I get to a certain point. You can use like, that's exactly what I did. I had plenty of time to learn in my old job. So that's what I did. I just spent the whole day learning. Uh, about real estate, about business. And then I use that to propel myself into my career and where I am now. And I think that that's an important lesson too. Exactly. And you know what? Like I was very fortunate. However, me and my wife, we made some very key decisions. And I'll share a little funny story with you guys. The first apartment that we moved into was, it was on the Danforth. And I was making that six figure salary and it was, you know, it was at the point where I could afford a little bit more, but I made the conscious decision to really rent a very, very affordable apartment because I already knew that if I wanted to invest in real estate, I needed to double down on my savings. I needed to be a little bit more conservative in the spending, et cetera, because, you know, once you start making money, it's very easy to just start and going and start, you know, wanting to live a little bit more lavish lifestyle and get a nicer car and do all this and all that. But if you make the conscious effort like we did, you know, you can save a lot of money. So it was so funny. My mom was like, she saw the apartment, you know, it wasn't a bad apartment. It was a great apartment. It was just very small. It would cost us 800 bucks a month, you know, all in. And it was around 500 square feet and it was kind of in a shady building. And my mom saw and she's like, oh, my God, what are you guys doing here? Like you can get something so much nicer. And meanwhile, I had, you know, my sister and family who are renting apartments for double the price, et cetera, et cetera. But I said, no, you know, I'm committed to investing in real estate. I'm committed to being, you know, successful. I'll make the short term sacrifice now. And we lived there for a year and a half. And in that amount of time, I was easily able to come up with a 5% down payment on our first uh, income property. Awesome. That's perfect, man. So, and that was, what was that? What was that property? Okay. So yeah, so it was the first property that we bought and I bought it at the age of 24 was a complete fixer upper in Scarborough. It's actually the property that we live in right now. And I'll kind of talk about on the concept of house hacking and so forth, but Basically, what we are looking for is to create a legal duplex, so two separated units. And the best kind of properties to look for is for bungalows. And so right away, we knew we needed to find a bungalow. And because they have the reason why bungalows are one of the best to create duplexes is because they have uh, very, very good basements, right? They have high ceiling heights. Almost the basement usually mimic the entire upper floor. So you can get almost the square, same kind of square footage. And so we had these requirements. We needed to look for a bungalow. We needed to look for something with minimum six foot seven ceiling heights. We needed a separate entrance. You know, we needed something that we could create at least two bedrooms to get maximum income. And so what the funny thing is we were looking for these houses and the first place we would go to is the basement. Right. <laughs> and so we were we, right. We were trying to find the basement, really, because that's the moneymaker right there. And so we went through a couple of real estate agents you know, at the beginning, and this comes back to your network 
And really, they weren't investors, so they didn't really understand what we were trying to do. And they would show us these houses and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's so much underneath the market value and they're great and everything like that. And I'm like, look, you don't have the ceiling height. Like, I'm not there's no point of looking at this. So really being strict with our requirements of kind of what we were looking for until we found the place. And so we had to go through two different agents. We, we fired the first one. She was terrible. And we went through another one. We found it. He helped us out. I won't mention names here because, you know, I don't want to tarnish anybody's reputation. But basically, the next real estate agent said, look, I spent like six months trying to find this house. I know they're out there. Find me everything that meets these requirements. And we saw 20 houses in one day. Out of those 20 houses, I could have bought five of them because they met the requirements. And then we picked the number one that had the most potential had the best uh, property, had the best land. We actually back onto a ravine. We have a huge backyard. It's kind of like a back split. So the basement walks out to the backyard. It has huge windows. And so when we rent out the basement apartment, it's really not even so much a basement. It's a lower unit with a walkout. And people, we have people and we can charge maximum rent because we have people coming because of the property that we bought. And so that was the first property. What we did was we purchased it and we immediately renovated the basement. We created a legal duplex, two bedroom. And then down the line, we renovated the our unit, the main floor. And so when we first rented out the unit, we were charging $12.50 per month, not including utilities. And the reason we were able to charge so much was because, like I said, when you create an impressive property, when you do the right renovation, when you really have something that other people don't have, you can then set your own market. You have a unique product that people will flock to and that people will fight for. And right now we just um, have new tenants who've moved in and they're renting that for $14.50 per month, not including utilities. That is a fantastic rent. And that is paying entirely for a mortgage. Okay, well, let's dive right in then. I guess you sort of answered the half of the next question. So I guess that's how you manage to live mortgage free. But what is house hacking? Yeah, so house hacking is basically the concept of renting out a unit and living in another unit and having that rental income pay for your expenses, whether that's part of your expenses or all of your expenses. In our case, because we are able to create such a unique unit, we are able to charge more. But regardless, I think a lot of people, they don't want to make the sacrifice. They're like, they want their cake. They want to eat it too. Oh, I want to get this fancy house. I want to have all of this stuff, but really they can't afford it. And so house hacking is we were able to afford a house in the GTA, which is now pretty much doubled in value in a few years. We're able to afford a house in the GTA because we're doing house hacking, which is renting out a unit. So you can either live on the main unit and rent out the basement, or if you wanted to, you could even live in the basement unit and rent the upstairs. And in that sense, you could not only have all your expenses paid for, but you can actually get paid for living and owning a house. So that's the whole concept of house hacking. And I think that, and especially in the GTA, especially in highly densely populated metropolitan areas, if people want to live relatively close to the city, have an affordable payment, they're going to need to house hack. And then if they want to go one step further, they can rent out the upper unit 
And part of that allowed us to purchase and pick up our next property as well. And so that's really the concept of house hacking. And I think it's going to be vital for people looking first, just starting out and then looking to expand as well. I hope everybody's paying attention to this show because there's some really good lessons in here. I mean, this is not difficult stuff. All you got to do is put it into action. To- yeah, that's cool. I love the term house hacking for that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's your original term, but that's pretty cool. I think I can catch on. Well, I was just- yeah, it's not. I just want to. It's not my original term, so I won't take credit for it. I actually I found out that was the term. I was just calling it like, you know, having having a rental and renting out the basement. But apparently that's what people call it is they call it house hacking. But you can go actually one step above. And now you can, and this is all about what we talked about thinking creatively. How can I afford this? How can I if you want to make even more income? What I've seen people do now is they create in their backyards. If you have the property, if you have the land, they create another smaller type unit right and this can be you know like as if you're building a shed for example and they build a unit and now you can rent that unit on airbnb and you can do a short-term rental so you can essentially have multiple types of rentals on one piece of land by creating this these additional units so that's another form of house hacking uh, that people are doing as well Hmm. interesting stuff to your point, though, there, I think I'm sort of guilty of the second thing that you were talking about where I have a basement apartment in my house. I'm actually sitting in the basement apartment right now because we don't rent it out anymore because I couldn't do it. You know, well, I could, but my mindset wasn't, oh, I can't do this anymore. My mindset was, okay, how can I afford to not rent to somebody in my basement apartment anymore? Right. So, yeah. So that was the goal here because, um, yeah, I just don't think it's uh, conducive in this uh, house exactly. I used to hear all <laughs> kinds of things coming from down here. Unmentionable things. So. <laughs> so. And I, I totally am with you, Rob. And I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, everyone has to rent out their basement and that's kind of the way to go. But if that's something, you know, that's a decision that you can make to accelerate you like you now have multiple properties, multiple rental income so that you are able to allow yourself, right? that opportunity. But if you're just starting out, I think it's an excellent way to start out. Oh yeah, for sure. I I would recommend it to anybody. I mean, we wouldn't have gotten by if we hadn't done that when we first bought this house. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, just, we talked about the numbers a bit there. How do you, maybe we already mentioned a bit about this, but how do you create high cash flowing rentals? Yeah. So really want to talk about that because I think there's this myth around real estate investing that, you know, a property, if it, you know, it can maximum, you can get maximum cash flow, you know, $500 a month. And that was really my goal, get $500 a month in cash flow. And a lot of books that I read, a lot of courses, a lot of blogs, everyone's like, yeah, you know, you should try to hit between one to $500 per month in profit. And while I think that's a good conservative goal, I actually have unlocked a system to actually create high cash flow rentals. And what I mean by that is over $1,000 in profit a month. And this property that we, one of the properties we just finished is cash flowing $1,400 in profit a month. And I've kind of had this epiphany because like my goal is, okay, I want to hit the $10,000 per month in passive income just through real estate alone. And if I were to do it with getting $500 a month, right, I would need to hit 20 properties. But if I can do it with $1,000 per month or more, all I need is 10 or less properties, right? And so this is also coming back to the shifting of the mindset is, How can I get more rental income by acquiring less properties? Because it would be much faster to acquire, 
you know, seven to 10 properties, especially with joint ventures, et cetera, versus trying to get 20. And so I'm going to break down how we're able to get over a thousand dollars in profit a month. Right. And what are the things that I look for and what are the things that we do? And I promise you guys, it is not complicated. You just have to find the right market and the right property. Okay. Well, let's hear it. Okay. So the first thing, right. And Rob, you know a little bit more about the details because you're an agent for that house, but I'll kind of walk the people through. And the first challenge was, you know, we were looking for the second property, how we got the financing and the down payments. We pulled the equity from the first property. So we talked about that. So pulled the equity out. And so we had this one area first in mind, right? And the maximum rent that I could get would be after, you know, all, all expenses was around 500 to 700 a month in profit. And it was good for appreciation, but, you know, I was like, okay, there's got to be a better way. So we started looking at other markets and that's where you start as you start looking at markets. And what I found was the markets that are one to two hours away from major city center, like the Toronto or like GTA, the prices haven't inflated so much. However, the rents are almost the same or could be even more. And the reason is, is because there's a low supply or a low shortage of affordable rental housing or just rental houses in general. So the first thing is you want to find the market, right? So what I found is that it's usually one or two hours away from a major city where the prices haven't increased. So in our case, it's around, you know, an hour and 15 minutes away and the prices are substantially less. And so that's the first thing is you, because in with real estate investing, and I get this a lot too, right? Everybody's like, Oh, I want to make so much money. Should I buy, you know, in the heart of the city? Should I buy close to the city? It's like, no, right? Unless you're like doing flipping or something like that, usually you won't get the rental income and you won't get the profit because your cost to acquire the property is too high, right? So first you got to start with finding that market. And how do you find that market? You look basically one or two hours away. You start going in Kijiji. You start looking at how many people are actively looking for rents, right? Rental apartments. Right. And then you also look at how many people are offering it and you can quickly tell, okay, there's either like high demand or a low demand. Right. And there's either a high supply and low supply. And I can do this within 15 minutes. I can look on Kijiji right now. And by looking at that, you can then see, right, what are the quality of those renovations? And that's key because that factors in. Okay, so. The first step is finding the market. Right. So you found this market. You see, okay, there's a lot of people looking at looking for places to rent not that many great rental apartments, I can create something better, I can renovate, I can make it nicer, and I can charge more money, right? So that's step one. Step two, then, is finding the right property, okay, that you can create. Again, I like to do the residential, the bungalows, to create the two separate units, okay? So, and I don't like to spend a lot of money to create those two separate units. I just usually want to renovate one of the floors, right? So usually the main floor is in pretty good condition. So with this property that we bought, the main floor was in excellent condition. It's a great property. And the basement, it has so much potential. It has so much potential. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for potential. And I think that's one of the key things when going back to real estate investing that people, especially new investors, don't see. They walk into the house and they like, oh, all these closed walls, all this everything, mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, this property doesn't look good. But like, I look at the potential. I look at the floor plan. I look at the layout. Okay, can I knock down this wall? Can I knock down this wall? And seeing what is a total floor plan and how you can create it. Okay, so you want to find, again, the two separate units. 
And then here's the key, okay, to making over $1,000 in profit a month. You're going to rent it by the bedroom. And you want to get as many bedrooms as possible. And so in our current situation, we had three bedrooms upstairs and we created a beautiful three-bedroom basement apartment and we're renting each bedroom out for $575 per month. And basically what I figured out was actually we could probably even rent it for a bit more, but I wanted to be a little bit conservative. So 575 times six bedrooms, plus we have a garage that we can rent for, you know, a hundred bucks a month. So we're pretty much at, you know, 3,400 in rental income a month. And so I know a lot of people are asking, okay, if you're renting it by the bedroom, do you need to rent to students? And so we bought this property because it was close to a college about a 10 minute walk from the college. And we had the idea of renting it to students because that was our game plan. Mm -hmm. But what actually happened is different. There was so much interest in the apartment that we were able to rent it all to working professionals, right? Like young professionals who are just looking for a good, clean room to rent in a nice house in a nice neighborhood. And they're still willing to rent by the bedroom. Perfect. And so that just sort of happened organically. You didn't market it that way. That's just what happened. Yeah. And that's basically kind of like the aha moment is like, okay, if you go to these places, these markets that have colleges, first of all, a college or university, they likely won't put up a significant investment and, you know, make a campus if there isn't already an infrastructure, if they don't see a growing demand. So if you already see colleges and universities that means that, yeah, okay, they've invested there for a reason. When those people graduate from college, they need to get jobs. They usually stay in the area that they graduated from. So most of the people that now we've rented, they've graduated from those colleges. So, But we're at the point where we could pick and choose because the market, there is such a low supply, especially for high quality rentals that we're able to basically pick and choose and say, okay, we're just basically going to rent to the young professionals. And to this day, I'm still getting, you know, we just finished our basement. It was rented before we even put it up because we had already people lined up from the previous time looking to rent it. And in fact, two of our contractors who built the place liked it so much that they're renting from it. Beautiful. So there's the answer of how you get the $1,000 in cash flow right there. I mean, just look at those numbers, really. It's what, 2000 $2, bucks in, uh, in expenses and then all the rest is cash flow. Pretty much. And that's like with being like conservative, right? So even if I add, you know, 10% vacancy, 10% maintenance, which you know I've never had ever, even if I add all of that stuff, I'm still hitting $1,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really easy easy to follow. Well, relatively easy. So how do you purchase properties without using your own money? Okay, before I go into that question, I'm going to just also focus on one other thing, how we're also able to get, because I'm telling you, we're, we're always getting the tops of the rent, right? And so before we get to the next question, I just want to say is always create the best property that you can create. Always do the best renovation. And I'm not saying spend the most money, Right. Because as investors, we're very careful. We're very resourceful. But, Rob, you remember in this property, we had two options. We had option A, which was paint and slap some flooring down. Right. Or option B, which we decided to go was take everything back down to the studs, do the proper soundproofing, do the proper vapor proofing, do the smoke alarms, do everything by the book, do it code. Right. And then you can create something that people will fight over, that people will flock to. 
And I think that's the idea. And not only in real estate investing, anything, if you create a product that is so much above everyone else, you will literally have no competition, right? Mm -hmm. And you're able to do that. And so, yeah, we might have invested a bit more money than if we just did it. But I think in the long term, like for me, I'm all about long term. I'm all about creating the long term passive cash flow. I don't want to come back to that property and I won't have to again because I, you know, didn't do some part of the reno or I skipped something like everything is done. I don't have to worry about it. Create it once, do it right. And you don't have to worry about it. And the second key of how you can create these high value renos, right, without spending a lot of money is finding dependable contractors. And I actually don't like to go with big renovation companies. I prefer to go with individual GCs, general contractors who manage the work for me because I can basically get it and I can finish the job at a much discounted rate than hiring these big companies who are going to pad their profits and everything like that. And so we put about 30K into the basement all in, including materials, including labor, including everything like that versus if we hired a big company, we got quotes for 50, 60, whatever. Perfect. Yeah. And then that is one of the really tough challenges, actually, when it comes down to renovations is finding the right contractor. And a lot of times once you do find the right contractor and you go, okay, I just bought something. We're ready to go. They're like, oh, sorry, I'm booked up for the next six months. So that can be one of the most challenging uh, issues in buying a property. And that's one of the things that, you know, it's a challenge and you got to put some time into it and some effort into it, hard work. And eventually, like you did, you'll find somebody that can bang it out and do it right. Yeah. And on to that point, like it's all goes back to the connections and your network, right? So how I found these guys, I hopped on Kijiji because I I was having the same issue, right? These big companies, no, we're not available for three to six months. Well, I need this stuff done now. Hop on Kijiji. First of all, I found one guy who was like a handyman in the kind of area. And then I looked at his portfolio. He was well-recognized. He was doing nice renovations. Then he recommended me to this other contractor. Now this other contractor knows other people, plumbers, electricians, etc. And so you're basically just expanding your network to the point where you're getting other people to help you on your project. So in the end, instead of me having to find all of these people individually, I actually leveraged the network and they came back to me and this contractor basically managed everything for me. Beautiful. Man, we're getting a lot of info out of this guy. (laughs) That's great. It's great. So, Sorry, one more fast tip because actually this is something different that I did. Different types of contract, right? You can do a fixed price. So you can hire the contractor to do the whole thing, give you a fixed price. But this new way that I'm doing, I actually prefer especially with new contractors, test them out is basically time and materials. So I hire them and I say, okay, do this work for one week. I'm going to pay you by the hour, you and your crew, and I'll just pay you for the materials. And I did this entire renovation using time and materials and it worked out great. Mm-hmm. And, but I mean, I do want to caution a lot of times for some people in some circumstances that doesn't work out so well. You know, it just depends. It really depends. Because when you've got a fixed price and a fixed time limit, then you know exactly what to expect. And I mean, I guess they can throw, you know, we weren't expecting this and we weren't expecting that at you. But at least you have a really good idea of how much it's going to cost you. And I mean, it's just a matter of opinion for that one. And I know that that worked out really well for you on that on that reno. So that's good. Yeah. And I'll just say the reason I did that is because I got super burned. Oh, I almost got super burned on this first renovation. Hired a big company, right? And we did a fixed price contract. Their project, they were six months delayed. Six months. It would have should have been a six-week renovation. It was six months. 
I lost six months on rental income. I basically told them at the end of the day, hey, I lost almost $10,000, okay, and pretty much in rental income, and I didn't pay them $10,000 because they were that late. So even though you think it might be a fixed price with a fixed schedule, they could just drag it on, and they basically took on way too many projects. So I do agree with you, Rob. I don't think that one method is better than the other. All I'm saying is especially if you're dealing with new contractors, a cool way to do it is if you test them out at the beginning using time and materials. Yeah. You could always switch then to the to the fixed price if you want. But it's basically giving yourselves options so that if these contractors don't work out, you can easily fire them. You don't have to give a lot of money up front like I did with these other guys and then can get a hold of them. Right. I agree. I agree. That's something else we should get into sometime, Sandy, is maybe some contractor tips. Like, I don't want to spend too much time on that today. I think we've got a bunch more stuff to talk about here. And, yeah. you know, so, but that's just, I wrote a little note here because that's some pretty useful stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, not using your own money. How do you get around that? How do you, how do you buy properties without your own money? Okay. So I think, and one of the reasons I think real estate investment is the best investment, the stock market, selling physical product online, selling your own digital products, affiliate marketing, all of these things, they don't have this one really unique property that real estate has. And that's the number one secret with investing in real estate. And that's leverage. Okay. Leveraging other people's money, right. Or leveraging equity in the form of money, right. So there's two ways. One is via equity. So if you don't have, for example, for my second property, I didn't have a hundred thousand dollars to come up with it. But what I did have was the equity in my first house, which was created using forced appreciation, which is basically renovating, doing high impact renovations for you know low cost, and then refinancing and taking out the equity. And probably a lot of more experienced investors know are familiar with the BRRR strategy, right? The BRRR strategy, which is basically buy, renovate, rent, and refinance. So it's essentially using that and leveraging equity. And the amazing thing is once you do that once, if you do it properly, you can then cycle and just keep going from one property to another. So now that we're finished this property, I'm going to look, I'm going to look to refinance it, pull out all the equity that I can get out of it and use that for another property and keep doing the cycle over and over and over again. So what's crazy is with an initial investment of only $30,000 back when I was 24 to buy this first property, I was able to buy number two and I'm going to be able to line number three. And if you keep playing your cards right, you can keep going and going and going. Okay. So that being said there, you are also looking to work with partners, right? Exactly. And that's the second method, right? Is partnering with other people and using other people's money through joint ventureship partners. And I think that's the key. So you'll get to a state where, okay, if I'm doing the BRRR strategy, if I'm doing the refinance strategy, I can only do pretty much one property at a time. Now what I'm looking at is, okay, I'm looking at who are these other people that have built-in equity or cash or whatever, whatever method they have to come up with that money and partnering with them and basically doing and using that same strategy using other people's money. And so coming back to the network, right, partnering with other people, there's a lot of people who make a lot of money and don't have the time to manage renovations, to manage tenants, to look for deals, et cetera, et cetera. And they're willing to work with you. And basically, you just got to find those people. And that's basically where I'm at right now is I'm looking to expand my portfolio by partnering with silent JV partners. Right. And the easiest way you can start out is by looking at family and friends. Right. And so I'll give you a perfect example. Like my parents, they bought this property in a prime location. Right. And they have over a million dollars in equity 
in their property. And I'm like, look, guys, you guys have a million dollars sitting there that's untapped, right? If you guys wanted to, you can buy like three houses <laughs> and make like $3,000 a month, right? And so starting with your close immediate network, your family, your friends who has equity, right? And a lot of people who aren't real estate investors, you're going to have to explain to them. You're going to have to convince them. You're going to have to break their beliefs and you're going to have to show them. But you first have to start off with some of your own experience. So now I have proven results for my work that I can show people. I can show them the numbers. I can show them the quality of the renovations and I can show them what I'm doing and they can read my blog. They can go on social media and they can see that I know what I'm doing. So with joint ventures, you either need to bring the money right? Or you need to build this skill. And sometimes you can bring both. You can go 50-50 on both of them, but there's got to be one or the other. You have to have something to bring to a partnership, right? Right. So talk a little bit about that. So, I mean, I guess you could probably do either one in a partnership, like you said, do the 50-50, or you could be the um, sort of the expert property partner. Yeah. And so what I'm looking for is really, I'm, I'm looking to be the expert JV partner, and so I'm looking for, you know, silent investors, like I was mentioning, with capital, with financing, ready to go and somebody who just wants a hands off approach. So, you know, they don't want to be involved in the day to day stuff. They let me do my thing, which I'm good at, which I'm knowledgeable. And we basically we split the profits. My whole thing is I'm in it for the long term. I'm not a type of person where I don't want to just get like the one property and, and that be it. Like I want to cultivate a relationship, a partnership. So we not only get one property together, we get five properties, we get 10 properties and so forth and so forth using the equity and the refinance strategy. Right. And I know Sandy has said this a bunch of times on the show, but there is endless money out there and it's just looking for a place to multiply, I guess. One of those other things that people need to understand too is that once they've done a few things like Svay has and have a proven track record that no longer are you I remember it wasn't that long ago where I was sitting in a room and people said okay once you're topped out you need to find other people to help you like find joint venture partners and of course your first instinct or mine was anyways <laughs> who's going to want to give me money right why would someone want to do that but you know you've built up a level of expertise and you've proven yourself, especially with these high cash flowing rentals. So now, you know, people are going to be more attracted to that and they're going to realize that, Hey, this guy can provide something to me that I can't otherwise do myself. And some people understand that. And some people won't, I've sat down with other people for joint venture meetings and, and they'll say, well, I can just go and do this myself. I'm like, yeah, of course you can. Anyone can. But are you going to? And the answer is no, you're not going to. So, you know, you can sit there and continue to make nothing on your money or, you know, you can invest it and watch it grow. And a lot of people don't understand this. Uh, I'm going to go off on a little, little tangent that I don't think I've ever mentioned on the show before. But there was somebody that I worked with for a long time. And they saw what I was doing and they saw how successful I was being with doing exactly what you're talking about, buy, fix, renovate, and uh, refi. So we call it BFRR, but didn't understand exactly how it was working. So after I went full time, he came to me and sort of said, I'm really interested in this. I'd like to learn more about it. And when some people hear how 
a potential investment works. And don't get me wrong, there's many ways to structure a JV deal like you were talking about, but they tend to either get it or they don't. So this guy almost called me a scammer, like <laughs> really to provide him, like to help watch his money grow and, you know, build something together uh, where everyone benefited equally, as far as I'm concerned, or I think my other joint venture partners would agree, but some people just don't get it. He put the analogy to me that uh, he actually said to me, if one of the fellas that worked with him offered to clean his toolbox in order to get half of his tools. So I just thought that well, was know, a... You, you know what's interesting, Rob, is that's the type of person that you don't want to work with. That's no, a joint venture partner exactly. right off the bat. Yeah. And before, before even when I'm meeting with people and I'm talking to them about that, that's the first thing that I'm assessing. I don't even look at the details, the deal, the numbers, whatever. That's all secondary, right? The most important thing is, are you guys on the same strategic level, right? And do they understand the possibility and do they get it? And are they willing to put some faith in that strategy, especially if you have proven results? So that person, no matter what you told them, they would never believe it. And those are the type of people they won't be successful in their life in terms of being, you know, a real estate investor or an entrepreneur because they have a closed mind. And I try to stay away from people with closed minds, with negative attitude. And there's so many friends and people are coming to me to see how I'm being successful right now in real estate. And they have these negative closed minds. And I tell them, like, I can only help you if you're open and if you're willing to learn the strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. And you can pretty much tell right away if somebody understands, if somebody gets that you can build something together, they're not going to do it without you and you're not going to do it without them. It's just as simple as that. So when you put both of your prospective offerings on the table together, then you can build something out of it. Yeah. And I think in terms of the JV partnerships, I think people, they don't look at it the right way. And you know, you're looking at it the right way. Whereas Two people putting their expertise together or their resources can get more than just the single person. That's the whole concept of teamwork, right? That's the whole concept of the partnership. There's a reason why those two people are coming together. A lot of people like that one guy was like, well, why don't I just do this yourself? It's like, okay, well, do you have a proven track record? Have you done this yourself, right? You're either going to cost yourself time or you're going to cost yourself money. You could make mistakes that can cost you tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars if you don't do something right because you haven't learned any lessons along the way because you don't have a proven track record, right? And so I think that's one of the objections that I hear a lot is like, why don't I just use my own money and do that? And it's like, that's great. You can do that, but you're either going to cost yourself time or money if you haven't done it before versus if you take an expert who's done this before, who has those proven results, we'll save ourselves both time and both money. And then on the flip side, when I was just starting in real estate, I was always thinking, well, the same thing, like, um, why do I want to partner with other people? I'd rather own the whole property myself. And I realize that's the wrong thinking because you're always going to be limited to the amount that you can get yourself, right? So I would rather own a hundred houses with a joint venture partner than two houses myself and so forth. And so it's the concept of abundance and the concept that partnerships create a win-win situation. And if you structure it properly, both parties win, which is the whole concept. Exactly. Perfect. And uh, in my mind, if someone's kind of thinking that way, why you, you might as well partner with somebody, learn a little bit from them, and then maybe go do it on your own 
afterwards, right? I think there's yeah. nothing wrong with doing that too, to expedite kind of the learning curve and learn from what you're doing and also make some money, obviously, and then and then go venture off on their own at some point later. I was just going to say, like, more power to somebody. Like, there's a reason why they're sitting in front of you and having the meeting in the first place, and that's because they're not going to do it themselves. If they were, they would – They well, maybe not necessarily, but if they were, they would have done it. And right. otherwise – they know that there's a reason, either time or lack of expertise or whatever it is, you know, there's a reason why they're sitting there with you. And to even bring that up is actually kind of silly, really. But anyway, let's move on from that as well. <laughs> well, what about um, the blog and the podcast? Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So I basically, I started uh, documenting my entire journey. So the blog and the podcast is journey to the number two financialfreedom.com. And I started this blog and podcast because I really wanted to document my journey from going from, you know, zero to wherever my goals take me and uh, to create passive income. And I wanted to share the knowledge and all my lessons learned through real life examples, details and numbers. And it's kind of like what, you know, this podcast we've been talking about, we've been getting into the details We've been getting into the numbers and what I find a lot of, you know, other books or courses that I've taken or podcasts, etc. They don't get into that deep of a level to give you those real life experiences. And only when you start going through the investment, do you learn all of these things. And so why, what I wanted to share with people is these real life experiences, both good and bad, right? Because I've had, I've made a lot of mistakes in my investing career. You know, I've lost some money, almost been burned here and there, but I've always learned from it. And so I want other people to be able to learn from it. And basically I want to create a community with uh, like-minded people to also share their real life experiences and stuff like that. And so I do talk about real estate investing, but I also do some other stuff like e-commerce, selling physical products online, whether it be on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, et cetera, different mediums, you know, as well as digital products, affiliate marketing, blogging, et cetera. So basically the whole concept is I'm documenting how to create passive income and my journey to financial freedom. Okay, perfect. And um, we're going to have links to that in the show notes so that people will just be able to click on it there. Very, very cool. And you had something you wanted to give away to the listeners too. Yeah, so I want to invite everyone, if they like this podcast, if they like the strategies that we're discussing uh, with them, to sign up for my free seven-day mini course on uh, how to create high cash-flowing properties using other people's money. And you can get that at www.journeytofinancialfreedom.com slash mini dash course. And it'll basically you'll get emails in your inbox with each step of the way. The emails will go even further in detail that we weren't able to cover everything from securing the down payment, the financing, finding the property, renovating and renting it out and so forth. Oh, very cool. Okay. Thank you. So again, we'll have the link to that in the show notes so that people, if they want to get that, they can just go over there and click on it and they'll be able to get it from there as well. So one more time, just to make sure we have it right here. Journey to financialfreedom.com slash mini slash course, right? Uh, slash mini dash course. Dash. Yeah, and we can link that up. Yeah, mini, mini dash course. Got it. Perfect. All right. So what's next for you today? Yeah. So guys, I'm pretty excited. Like I'm pretty amped up. I'm pretty jacked up because like I said, I just quit my day job and I'm focusing full time on entrepreneurship. And every single day is exciting. And I think that that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Like, are we excited waking up every single day and 
for me, the day job, it, it wasn't doing that, you know, but I found something that I'm excited about. I like blogging. I like sharing information. I like helping other people. I like sharing my story. And so that's really what I'm excited about, um, being a full-time investor, entrepreneur, and uh, continuing that. I want to continue expanding my portfolio, partnering with other people, scaling, automating, and sharing my knowledge. I'll also be coming out with some uh, books and courses, and I've taken on some coaching clients as well. And I just want to connect with other like-minded entrepreneurs, and I want to then travel and live the laptop lifestyle. That's really was my goal, is I wanted to be location independent. So we actually just booked our tickets to Hawaii. We're going to go for a couple of weeks there. And that will be one of our uh, destinations. And I want to continue to uh, to travel and work for my laptop. Awesome. Yeah, that's a good uh, aspiration for everybody, I think. And Hawaii is not a bad place to do it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> Never been. I guess is the best place for people to get in touch with you just at journeytofinancialfreedom.com? Or do you have uh, another way that people can get in touch with you? Yep. So yeah, you mentioned the blog. You can go on there. You can subscribe. I'm also very active on social media. So I have a Facebook page, Journey to Financial Freedom as well. And uh, I'm also on LinkedIn as well, Sve Pavic, S-V-E space P-A-V-I-C. And you can feel free to connect with me on Facebook, either through my page or personally. Like I said, I'm very active. I post a lot of stuff. I like to connect with as many like-minded people in the industry. If you're interested in doing a joint venture partnership together in the greater Toronto area, you can reach out to me as well at sve.pavich at gmail.com. Very, very good. Well, thank you again for being on and, and coming back to join us again. We really appreciate that. This was a information-packed episode. Really, really liked everything that you shared. So thanks again, man. Thank you so much, Rob and Sandy, for having me. You guys are doing an awesome job with this podcast. I'm so glad I could come on again and uh, share some uh, knowledge bombs with your listeners. Knowledge bombs. You got a lot of good words, man. Hopefully, Hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag knowledge bombs. So hopefully in a few months, we'll, we'll chat again and you'll be uh, number one and two, or at least sharing number two. <laughs> this one will be number one. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah Sandy, sure. um, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to us uh, and chat about real estate stuff specifically in, in the Hamilton area, you can reach me at info at mykrealtynetwork.com or uh, 905-308-8333. Beautiful. And if you want to uh, get hooked up with me out here in this area on the uh, east end of Toronto, you can do that at breakthroughreipodcast.ca is actually what it is. And you can sign up for my tour to become part of the investor tour that we do out here every once in a while. It has been a while since I've done one, but I'm going to be starting them back up here again. I, I noticed that a lot of people just took the summer off. So, hey, what the heck? I didn't take the summer off working, that's for sure. But uh, most people um, were just doing other things. So I put a stop to those for a little bit, but I'm going to be starting them back up again soon if you want to be part of that. So just join up on the website. There is a form on there where you can do that. And I wanted to just say that something that I decided to offer, I'm going to be sending out an email very shortly to my list about this. But, you know, those property tours, they're designed to learn, right? They're not necessarily designed so that someone will come out and buy a property off of them. Obviously, that is the end goal is for people to get enough knowledge from coming out and learning about what it is that we're looking for in order to do that buy, fix, refinance strategy and add a second unit to um, a single family home 
usually, like they said, a bungalow, a raised bungalow, something like that. But there's a bunch of different things that are involved in finding the right place. So what I wanted to offer is I'm going to, on top of that tour, the first three people that uh, from the tour end up to uh, resulting in buying a property, I'm going to coach them right from beginning to end. And I always share all of my contacts and that, like, so all of the, um, all of the drafts people that we have, the uh, contractors and, and, uh, and trades and, and everything. So I always share that with my clients anyways, but, um, I wanted to be a little more hands on with the first three people and offer them, you know, just front to back, beginning to end coaching right through the whole project. So that will eliminate some of the fear, I think, that these people have, help them stay on track and push forward through that fear in order to actually buy something and get their investing on the go. Wow, that's huge. That is huge, Rob. Hopefully it is. I mean, hopefully people will appreciate that. So yeah, uh, or you can reach me just by calling 289-927-0464. Again, I'm going to send out a little bit more info on that in a bit, but uh, just wanted to say thanks again, both of you guys, for being here again, and uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. 